India has been a site of curiosity for scholars and academicians from the West for many centuries. This includes the ones like Max Müller in the colonial period to Gail Ombit, undoubtedly the greatest of our times, not merely because of her credentials while initiating her research on India, but because of the commitment she has shown towards questions of justice, subaltern histories and social revolution. Welcome to another podcast. I am Raju George Matthew. Today we will commemorate the life of Gail Omwith, a scholar par excellence, one of the three foreign women scholars who along with Eleanor Selliot and Rosalind O'Hanlon brought issues of caste, gender and class in Maharashtra to international academia and its attention. Though Gail came to India primarily as a PhD sociology researcher in UC Berkeley to work on her thesis titled Cultural Revolt in a Colonial Society: The Non-Brahmin Movement in Western India 1873 to 1930, She later returned to India and chose to settle in a small village in Maharashtra. It is to be noted that her thesis was dedicated to the peasants and workers of India when it was later published in 1976. Her marriage to Bharat Patankar, a leading activist of Shramik Mukti Dal, a socio-political organization that organizes farmers on various issues uh, including droughts, dams and displacements and caste-related oppressions. brought them together for various activists and academic ventures inspired by the works of Marx, Fule and Ambedkar. Gail was also a part of Shramik Mukti Dal. Looking at the background of Gail Ombit, one could see that Gail's social and political outlooks were deeply influenced by the activism in the 1960s USA that saw protests against the Vietnam War's feminist uprisings and student movements. Her left-leaning ideology in the US could also be considered as having helped her in evolving as a marxist thinker in india though gail was not formally affiliated to any educational institution in india through any regular academic jobs her popularity in academia and among students could be accounted to her unassuming nature and to her works on caste patriarchy the workers movements as well as buddhism gail's works on phule and ambedkar have also played an important role in bringing these social thinkers to the Indian academic research scene where they were largely ignored earlier her visions on the need of rethinking religion and spirituality could also be influenced by the likes and works of several bhakti sants and poets like tuka or tukaram chokamela ravidas kabir etc gail's book seeking begampura the social vision of anti-caste intellectuals published in 2009 could be understood as one that takes inspiration from these sants and poets and explores the utopian imaginaries of a begampura for the masses a land devoid of any form of exploitation gail argues that the ram rajya as envisioned by gandhi and accepted by the congress nationalists represents a cultural national nationalism which aimed at a transfer of power from the british to indians without any change in the basic culture of india thereby retaining the discriminatory social practices of caste This stands against the political nationalism that was envisioned by the subaltern social leaders who emphasized on equality and sought a reconstruction of Indian society. Cynthia Stephen, an anti-caste activist, identifies Gail Ombud's dismissal of Gandhian politics, her reluctance to dilute her views, and her honesty and commitment to the issues of Dalits, Adivasis, women and farmers as having determined the reluctance of Indian academia in recognizing Gail Ombud as a serious academic voice often on the other hand Gail Ombud is also frequently mentioned by the Dalit Bahujan masses as an ideal ally 
a comrade, one who does not steal the limelight away from those who are affected by an issue, while several others like Arundhati Roy and Medha Patkar have been accused of hijacking the movements of the marginalized, often resulting in an absence of a leader figure from their communities. The Bahujan community members have often pointed out that Gail did not attempt to steal the microphone from them, even while she has been writing on them with more than 25 books and several articles to her credit in several newspapers and journals, including the Economic and Political Weekly, in which she has extensively published. Some of her major works include Dalit Visions, the Anti-Caste Movement and Indian Cultural Identity, 1995, Understanding Caste from Buddha to Ambedkar and Beyond, 2011, Buddhism in India, Challenging Brahminism and Caste, 2003, Dalits and the Democratic Revolution, Dr. Ambedkar and the Dalit Movement in Colonial India, 1994, and We Will Smash This Prison, Indian Women in Struggle, 1980. Uma Chakravarti, a popular Indian feminist historian, attributes her own decision to work on caste and gender in Maharashtra to be inspired by the works of Gay Longway. Contemporary Dalit historians like Chinnaya Jangam, who is an associate professor in Carleton University, Canada, talks of those days in JNU when historiography did not take into account subaltern and anti-caste movements and how works of Gay Longwith were a welcome change for them, often circulated in underground networks away from the legitimacy accorded by academia. Surinder S. Jodka, a professor of sociology from JNU, identifies how important Gail's writings were in his early career, her writings on the intersections of caste, class, environmental and farmers' issues, without using jargons of French philosophy or cultural studies, thereby keeping her work accessible to non-elite readers. Interestingly, it was in Jodhira Fule's and B.R. Ambedkar's writings that she found her theoretical resources. Jodhka too recollects the unassuming nature of Gay Longwith, even while engaging with young scholars, and he believes that this nature was not merely a personal or professional trait of Gay's, but also an expression of her larger politics. One cannot but appreciate the activist and the academic Gay Longwith was. While she held only temporary academic positions in formal educational institutions, she was an academic even in her activist phase. She was associated with University of Pune, IIAS, Shimla, Nehru Memorial Museum and Library, New Delhi, etc. in temporary homes. Her theorizations, especially invoking the Bhakti saints, are unparalleled. It was this balance of activism and academic engagement that made her acceptable amongst the Dalit Bahujan masses and even by celebrated political leaders like Kanshiram. Gail Omid's life is indeed a model for those who want to be allies in the struggles of the marginalized, an inspiration to all who want to destabilize the dominant discourses on Indian realities, let it be that of caste, class, gender, sexuality or farmers' issues. She may not be with us any longer, but her books and writings are there to stay and guide us towards several cultural rewards, similar to those she unearthed through Fule, Ambedkar and the Bhakti Sons. She did emphasize on the need for us to be true to the Indian realities, the impossibility of studying subaltern social thought in India without considering the intersections of injustice, violence and identities. It is in this amalgamation of perspectives from Marx Fule and Ambedkar that Gail envisioned a reformed modern India. Gail is often reminded us that the utopian vision of a Begum Buddha by the subaltern social revolutionaries in the past is what we can drive inspiration from.
let that begambura materialize soon for us for all who pursue the utopia of justice thank you